We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. over the mailbag ryan and, and we got started off right here with let manager one with a super chat thank you very very much i believe that is uh from canada so our canadian friend we appreciate you very much a eh? uh great shows yesterday voice sounds great ryan merry christmas guys it, it did not sound great earlier man i woke up i sounded like this i could not i could not talk man it was terrible it was terrible ryan was about to jump on the show thing. sounding like he was part of the uh you know guy on the sopranos or something like that man you know? it was it, yeah i sounded like an old italian guy like it was like, <laughs> it was like you're not either of those things <laughs> <laughs> forget about it <laughs> The last time you're going to talk to me like that. I'll make you an <laughs> offer. <laughs> so I'm glad that I'm glad you're feeling better. Uh, very, very much. Charlie White's is last belt loop. Thank you for the super chat, Charlie. Hey, coach, I want to say I appreciate your grading on offense and defense. You were extremely fair. I do have concerns with the D line and safety. Thank you, IB. I think if you're going to say you have concerns in regards to are these groups good enough to be a championship units, I think that's very fair. And and that's the thing is like there are parts of this recruiting class that aren't quite by themselves, championship caliber groups. I think that's very fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm I'm okay with you saying that, Charlie. I mean, I'm I'm good with that. I just think as you put them all together, I think this is a really really good class. This is a great class in my opinion when you put it all together. It, it's about Char- it's about the full product, right? right? Like right. it's across right. the board. You didn't really it, miss anything. It's but to his point depth. though, his yeah. Ryan is like, but it's okay to point out where it's got to get better because that should yeah. always be the goal, mm-hmm. right? until you start recruiting like Bama, it's saying, well, we can always get better. Now, will you ever recruit like Bama? I don't know. I probably not, at least from a recruiting ranking standpoint, but that's always the goal is to be the best, to be recruit better than everybody. And until Mm -hmm. you get there, you always got room for improvement. So very, very fair thing, Charlie. Appreciate you. The next comment he's going to have, I'm not so sure I'm going to say is fair, but we'll, we'll get to that. Sean Michael says uh, with a super chat. Thank you very much, Sean Michael. Thank you. IB staff for all you do. You're welcome, sir. Yesterday's shows were top notch and shows you show why you guys are the best. Also, very excited about Vernon. Perfect fit. I, I think he is a very good fit as far as playing multiple positions of the defense and he gets you longer, right? Like, I mean, he could be a strong side defensive end. He could be a three tech. He could be a nose eventually. Yeah. So I agree. I mean, he gives you a lot of traits that you're excited about if he's developed properly. I mean, because that's the thing about Brendan Vernon is I think that people have this assumption 
that, you know, with his profile that he's this ready-made floor kid. And I don't think that's true. I think he's got a lot of upside still left to tap into. And if he gets there, man, and I think he will get there because this kid loves to play, man. Because what he he looks like, That's why people think he's ready-made because of what he looks like. He looks like a grown freaking man. Yes. Right? Like, so I think there's this, like you said, there's a perception that, oh, he's ready to come in and play. He's close to his ceiling. Brandon Vernon's not close to his ceiling. No, not no, close not. to his ceiling. And, and so now what, there's what was, some, your, what was your upside grade on him? Did you have five. him as a four, four? Oh, you had a five. Wow. As yeah, an interior yeah. guy, I'm, yeah. I, I have two grades for him. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, you'll see it when I come up with my thing. Uh, I'm going to have my rankings out. I'm going to try to get out later today. It may not come out till tomorrow because it takes a lot to kind of like write out and put together, but I have my rankings yeah. out. I have two for him. Four and a half star is a big end. Mm-hmm. Five star if he moves inside. Love it. Because I think as an interior guy, he could be elite as like either yeah. a, a just a penetrating nose tackle or just a butt kicking three technique. Mm-hmm. I think he could be his upside is even greater. Now his floor is higher as an end, in my opinion, but his ceiling is higher inside. In my, I opinion. agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. So good. I like it when you agree with me. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. Charlie Weiss's last belt loop also said uh, said this. Do you really trust? Thank you for the super chat, Charlie. Do you really trust Clarence Lewis's safety? He will get beat. He he will get beat there instead of a corner. I don't think he improved that much compared to the last year. I strongly disagree with that. I think it's much better. He got beat once this year, and it was a play that he misplayed. I was sitting there watching. He misplayed the route, and he thought he had inside help. That's why Mm -hmm. he played that. Other than that, when did Clarence Lewis get burned this year? He didn't. He, I mean, gave up a couple hitch routes. If we're talking about him getting beat, I mean, so I don't, I don't understand how you can't say he didn't improve this year. He was a very good player this year. He just. He's not as good as Benjamin, not even close to being as good as Benjamin Morrison. I also think that he's a more, he's a better player coming forward, right? So working from depth a little bit is interesting because was it against Navy where he had that interception coming kind of over top? Like that was, well, he from across the field, it was actually not a deep shot. It was like an intermediate throw, but he came from across the field. It was that halfback, uh, halfback throw. Yeah. Right. It was a very good play. It's a very good range. It was rangy, man. For a second, I was like, was that Cam Hart? Then I was like, wow, that was. Clarence Lewis. Oh, well, okay. he had a similar pick like that against Florida State a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as, as a sophomore, that was similar yep. to that. I, I just think here's what I think sometimes, Charlie. And, and look, I'm saying this to you in, in a way not to criticize you because I have this issue and I have to remind myself of that. A lot of times, look, this is why first impressions are so important because mm-hmm. it is much harder to change your initial impression of someone. So like if you meet someone and they're just acting like a total idiot. And this is why I got to remind myself sometimes, but like, dude, not everybody knows you. You got to, you know, just, you know, but <laughs> yeah, not tone it down, but just when you're around people, you don't know, mm-hmm. you can't act like you always do when you're around people, you know, cause they may not like, if you're, if you have a really dry sense of humor and you're my friend, I know you, I think it's hilarious, but if I don't know you, you just kind of come all across as a prick. Yeah. You know, cause you're not as expressive in your humor, that kind of thing. But my, my, my wife tells me to tone it down all the time. So yeah. I get it. I get it. I get that. <laughs> I get that. But you know, when I look at Clarence this year, Ryan, I think kind of what happens is, is that people just kind of lock into what their original opinion was. And, and then they had that bad thing that happened to him last year in, in the, in the bowl game. And you're like, boy, that's a, that's a really rough deal. That's a really mm-hmm. rough deal. But then you go outside of that and you say, you know, like the Ohio State game, he gave up four receptions for 34 yards on three of those catches. He was locked. He was all over a dude. Yeah. But a future top 10 NFL draft pick was putting the ball on the flipping money yeah. and future first round draft picks of receiver were making great catches. They were. You know, like he gave up the 80 yard touchdown against North Carolina. It was a bad play. We've talked about that. But he only gave up 292 yards the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he, he was solid. He was solid, but he's just not an elite corner in our in our view, right? And that's the kind of the point Charlie's making. But like, here's what he gave up the rest of the year: BYU went 0 for two on him. Uh, the next, this is corner Pro Football Focus. Stanford went three for five for only 23 yards. UNLV went three for three for 24 yards. They got outplayed for a deep ball there. Syracuse went two for two for 26. I do not remember them catching two balls on him in that game. One one catch against Clemson for eight yards. One catch against Navy for 20, and that was not on him. By the way, I remember the play they're talking about. That was not on him, uh, but that's the problem with the, the way that Navy works. Boston College had one completion for five yards, and then USC had two completions on him for 10 yards. W- when did he get beat? I saw the North Carolina game. When did he get beat? When, when did he get beat deep? The longest – I'm looking here. Let's see the long. The longest reception he gave up other than that 80-yarder was the 20-yarder against Navy. After that, it was 11, 11, 19, 10, 15, 13, 8, 20 against Navy, 5, and 5. When did, he, when did he get beat, Charlie? Right? We're still living in that world. But why did he get beat when he did? Because he's not a guy that can come up with the line of scrimmage, in your face, play man coverage, and run with you vertically. That's not his game. So if he's going to be playing vertically now, it's off It's off the ball 10 yards and opening up over top of cover two. And then, like Ryan said, his ranginess becomes impactful. They're not going to put him in a situation where they're going to say, okay, as a safety, we're going to have you play, cover Josh Downs every snap this game. Right. If anything, you're not put in those situations. But I think his rank – and he's a smart football player. I think mm-hmm. the best parts of his game get accented more at safety than they do at – corner yep and so i just i don't i don't see why some people view him the way that they view him and and here's another thing too if it's not for him in 2020 that defense falls apart in november in 2020 him mm-hmm. stepping up when Tariq bracy lost it in 2020 helped save that season season because he played very well down the stretch very well down the stretch he had a couple really bad games like he was not good as a sophomore he was good as a freshman and he was good this year 
It's just that Benjamin Morrison was great this year. Mm-hmm. That was the problem. And they kept playing him in the boundary, and he's not a boundary corner. He's a field corner. Yes. Because you want him to play off and then have to come down, right? Like right. that's the biggest thing. You don't want him to have to press and then have to turn and run. Because he's a, he's a pretty loose athlete, and he's pretty mm-hmm. explosive coming downhill. How fast. But he's not a he's not a turn and run with you type of guy. That's just not him. It's not him. Yep, that's okay. okay. Right, right. Some people, some people, and oh, and that somebody else brought this back. He had a really nice pick against uh, being in position against Cal. That would have been very similar to a type of play he would make as a safety. It was deeper. It was kind of across the field. You remember the one I'm talking about? Yeah. And it got negated because of the JD Bertrand targeting. Yes. Yep. That was so a nice that, one. Somebody just put that in. The, I think it was Mace AK, I think, is who put that in the chat. Let me make sure I can. Pro- yes, it was Mace AK put that in the chat. I forgot about that. That pick, mm-hmm. that play that got negated in that game. So, yep. you know, again, I, I, I we're not saying he's going to go there and be, go there and be Kyle Hamilton. But I think he's a kid that you put. If you, I, I think it could be better than DJ Brown for sure. Yes. Yes. Agree. And Clarence is a solid tackler, too. That's the other part of this thing as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yep. There you go. There you go. Uh, but I appreciate the I appreciate the question. And and look, I appreciate that you asked, Charlie. I mean, ask us to explain ourselves. Look, if we just make a statement and we're not willing to back it up, then we're not people you should listen to, buddy. So I actually appreciate this question very much. It's really funny because I, I know his name probably isn't Charlie, right? No, and it's, it's just not. so funny. Let <laughs> me just call him Charlie. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't know if he wants his name out there. That's why I don't know. I get that. I get that. Yeah. It's just funny because we just like on our yeah. first name basis now. It's not even his name. It's just pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, well, that's the thing is like when people have these names and I know what their real name is, I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to accidentally slip because then some people may view that as doxing. And I don't ever want to put somebody's name out there that they don't want out there. So uh, yeah. I gotta be careful with that. But I, I appreciate it. <laughs> JP Buhlsfeld, Brian, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you, especially a drama day like yesterday. I hope you get rest and have a Merry Christmas. I'm definitely going to get some rest later today. I took like a 15-minute nap yesterday. Felt glorious, man. (laughs) It was like (laughs) before the Lucky Lefty show, and I was still passing out by the end of that show. I apologize for being so tired. I I felt bad for yawning so much towards the end, but it was a great show. If it wasn't for Malik and how good Malik was last night, I probably would have fallen asleep during that show. Malik was great last night. He was really good last night. Like he was peak. He was peak Malik form. I, I tuned into that show a little bit last night. He was on fire. He yeah. was on fire. <laughs> he said, we don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> I, I, so I, awesome. I did see that. I did see that. that. So awesome. 99 problems became one question. If Notre Dame had ever landed a Don Schuler, had only ever landed a Don Schuler, Ben Minich, and Braden Hillman in the first place and never had a decommitment of drama, would the position class be viewed differently? I'm going to say this, Ryan, and I'll let you go with it. The grade yeah. would be the same. The perception would be what much different. Yes. Yep. I, I feel like people would be optimistic more than they are now because it's what you lost. It's not what you gained. The perception is completely different to your point, right? It's the, the players aren't any different, though. It's not like you're gaining a different player. It's the same exact core. It's just that you didn't lose a five-star. You didn't lose a big-time kid. You got three, though. Good to very good football players, and you would be excited about that. So I agree the perception just has changed that situation. Yes. Uh, Here's the other thing. I would say this. I feel like the drama of Peyton Bowen the last month Mm -hmm. overshadowed the pickup of Brandon Hillman. Agree. Because people were so focused on Peyton, 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 that you just don't even hear a lot of people talking about Brandon Hillman. And that kid is a flipping really good football player. Yes. I'm, I, cause it was, um, 
I'll never forget his recruitment, for, not just because he's a Virginia guy, but because of everything that was happening at the time. Remember, Ryan, that was the day that I drove back from Purdue. Rita was mm-hmm. still in the hospital, Purdue. Angela was still in West Lafayette at the hotel with Sadie. And, mm-hmm. you know, I came, oh, no, actually, I brought Sadie home with me. I came home and was going to go back, but I was just so tired. So I stayed here. And then that's when we got the call that, hey, keep an eye on this kid. This is a kid we really like. This is a kid we're going to go after. And so then I made you watch this film and you were like, who the heck is this kid? Where, how has, how has nobody offered this kid yet? Like, cause our first thought was, does this kid not have grades or something? Like, is that why he doesn't have an offer list more impressive? And then you find out it's cause for a while here, he told people he wanted to be a quarterback. And so, you know, people are going to offer him, but I don't know if I'm allowed to share the backstory on that, but I'll just say this, the recruitment of, of Brandon Hillman and the rankings bump he got, you can put on Chad Bowden. <laughs> I'm going to say he finagled the heck out of that one uh, from a PR standpoint and some of the things he did behind the scenes, not asking people to up his ranking. I'll, I'll just say this. I just I, let's just say I believe there was maybe um, some conversation that was had with other people in the coaching world like, boy, this kid's really good. You guys should maybe look at him. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the offers start coming in. And now all of a sudden the recruiting analysts start t- paying attention to this kid. But already by then, Notre Dame had already kind of got in a great position already. And then we saw it happen. So this is one of the many reasons why I think Chad Bowden is a, is a monster as the recruiting coordinator at Notre Dame. Like, I don't think y'all realize how much, how involved he is in this. Like, look, the assistant coaches have to do their job. A recruiting coordinator can't do it all by himself. Mm-hmm. But I don't think y'all realize how how vital he is to making this whole thing work. Like, if Chad Bowden is not the the director of recruiting at Notre Dame right now, they do not have a top five class, in my view, of a top five class. Because I know for a fact three or four kids that probably don't end up at Notre Dame if he's not here. Sure. They just don't. They just don't. Do you disagree with that, Ryan? I mean, no, the, I don't. the only person whose name we hear more than Chad Bowden's Marcus Freeman, and that's yep. even debatable. Like, <laughs> the only debate there is who's first. Who gets told first, right? But those two as a one-two punch are outstanding. And they outstanding. all they all love Chad yeah. too, man. Like they love Chad. I remember when I did Jeremiah's interview and I asked him about Chad, he just started giggling. He's like, Yeah, Chad. He's yeah. like, they love that guy, man. Yeah. Love they him. They do. They do. And he's a straight shooter with them. That's the other thing they like. You know what I mean? So he has he does a great job. Because assistant coaches need that during the season. They need a guy that can be grinding on the phone and the DMs and the text messages while they're trying to get ready to figure out a way to beat Clemson or yeah. USC or BC or, or, or meet kids at the airport and have a boom box and dance. Yes. Like that's, yes. that's what they need, yes. man. So, you know, I know there's some folks that have been at Notre Dame a long time that don't care for Chad. That's why those people need to be gone. Yeah. Because they're the ones holding them back. This is this is the way it's gotta go. A guy that with his energy and his strategy, because and the other thing too is Marcus Freeman needs allies, and there's nobody on campus that has his back more than Chad Bowden. That's the other part. Great. And and so that dude, that dude's an absolute rock star when it comes to recruiting. There's no doubt. He will be people will look at him in in 10 in 20 years the way that that people my age and older look at Vinny Serrato now. Right. So let's yeah. hope. Let's there's hope. no doubt. There's no doubt. <laughs> There's yeah. no doubt. See here, we got another super chat from Charlie. He says, uh, "I could be. It could be a perception thing, but he has. Dis, uh, but he has displayed that he has displayed. It seems it's always was him involved on big blows. I admit I'm wrong. Justin Scott confidence one to ten. So the second part was a question. So uh, I appreciate you saying that you're wrong, but yeah, we're not saying he was a great player, 
right? Mm-hmm. He's a solid. He's a solid corner. He's at best a solid corner. I, I'm not saying he's a great corner. We're not. Def- he's a he's a solid corner. Yeah. But he his issues he had is because he was put in position to not do things he should be asked to do. But it's because that's the nature of the defense. Our yeah. point is, as a safety, the nature of the defense is going to put him in position to do the things he's good at already. And that's that's our point. So I I kind of understand where you're coming from, Charlie. I just don't think he's bad or burned all the time like you do. Uh, but when put on an island like he was in the bowl game, he's not going to play well. Mm-hmm. But he's not put on an island very often as a safety. And when he is, he's playing from depth. Yep. And he keeps everything. If when Clarence Lewis, and this is the point Ryan made, and 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 I'm going to say it this way: when Clarence Lewis can keep things in front of him, he's a very good football player. Yep. When he has to flip his hips and have a guy and be in trail position, that's when he gets in trouble. Mm-hmm. And he would almost never be put in that situation as a safety. Agreed. Almost never. Yep. And that's where we come from, Charlie. But well, I appreciate you. So his question was Justin, uh, confidence level from Justin Scott, one to 10. I, I would say it's like a five right now because, look, we talked about this a ton, man. They got on him so late for whatever reason, you know, like it was a miss. It was an oversight. It was a misstep early on in this recruitment. So you let teams like USC, Michigan, Alabama, those types of teams get into the conversation. That's what you've done, right? The truth of the matter is, excuse me, is that a Catholic kid from Chicago. Starting to go. (laughs) Starting to go a little bit. Starting to go. Catholic kid from Chicago playing that position in Notre Dame's backyard. Right now, with grades, time, with grades, with grades that values his academics, at this point in this recruitment, should be about an eight or more, or he should be committed to Notre Dame. Yes, that's where you. we are right now. He should like, have been the first defensive lineman you offered in this class. That's that's where it should be right now, man. But it's at a five right now because do I think Notre Dame still has a chance? Yes, I think they still have a chance. But you let a lot of big players get into the conversation, and that's where it's a little murky, right? Now you have to play against the USC's, Alabama's, Michigan's, like those notable programs that also have big brands. So I think Notre Dame could get back into the top tier of this conversation. I think that they can win this one. But as of right now, you were just on them a little too late and you let other really good programs get involved. So that's where you are right now. Absolutely. Let's get down here. Here's a question here, Brian, that I'll give to you because you have some intel on this. We actually did. We should have put this on the board. I should have told you to put this on the board earlier, uh, but we did not because it's been a crazy couple uh, of days. But Milton Fan 15, what any update on Braden Fisk? Yes. Yes, there is an update on Braden Fisk. So I was told by a source that it's basically come down to three different schools. But the two main schools that are at the top of the list are Notre Dame and Florida State. Which is he's taking two the, visits. The third to. would be USC. The third would be USC. Yep. So you're looking at Notre Dame and Florida State, though, as the main two teams. And then USC is kind of a little bit further down into a tier, it seems. And he's visited both schools for weekend visits over the last few weeks. I'll say this about Braden Fisk I think Braden Fisk would fit seamlessly at Notre Dame. And I think that he enjoys everything that comes with playing football up north. Florida State is just something different, right? And different could be appealing to some. Different could also be scary to some, right? And I don't know how comfortable he would be going down to Florida. And I think that Notre Dame would make a lot of sense for him. And I think he has a lot of love for the Notre Dame program. So Notre Dame wants him bad. Yes, Notre Dame wants him very bad. And he's kind of right now, it's kind of about what are the pros? 
What are the cons of each program and trying to figure a thing out? So I think Notre Dame has a very good chance, but they have to close that one out. I think they do and, have a great chance. And we will have an article coming out on him later tonight. Uh, it, it's going to be by both of us. We're, I'm going to talk about the need, and then Ryan's going to talk about um, sort of the physical tools. So, by the way, yep. Ryan, I forgot. I'm going to tell you that right now. I need you to work <laughs> on just putting a little quick couple paragraph analysis of him as a player because he's exactly what Notre Dame needs. He's big. Yes, he he's a playmaker. Uh, he could play five technique in their three mm-hmm. down fronts and and provide some some. I mean, if you put like him and Riley Mills on opposite ends, yes. in a three down look, that's oh, the kind man. of three down front that you need, Good right? Luck. <laughs> and and uh, you know he could play nose and be a disruptive nose. He could play three technique and be, and be really good there. That versatility, he's got experience. He's got grown man strength. He's going to be, I think, a sixth year senior next year, right? So mm-hmm. he's grown. You know what I mean? Like he's got that veteran strength and he's going to then get to spend a whole eight months in the Notre Dame strength program. And with all due respect to Western Michigan, it's not the Matt Bayless strength system. So mm-hmm. that's the other part for him. If if he's looking at trying to get to that next level, dude, yeah. you the, the last thing that you're missing is like that kind of strength program. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get him in that and all of a sudden he puts on five, 10 pounds. And he because like, did you see how much blown up Chris Scott, what Chris Smith was this year? Yes. He was huge yeah. compared to where he was. It's and huge. he was faster. That's the thing yes. is he was quicker because he yep. finally was in a Notre Dame type of strength program. And it's, again, no disrespect to Harvard. The, your resources are more limited. The best of yep. the best are going to be at a Notre Dame, not a Harvard. Right. And so uh, he is um, he is a really good player. You know, he turned into he's he's he could be a really good player in the Notre Dame with if you give him the Notre Dame resources between now and next fall. I think he could be a really and good player. He, he had a he had a tough decision to make this offseason because he had some borderline draftable grades from teams. So if he goes to a team like a Notre Dame or Florida State, he could blow up on and from a yeah. NFL draft perspective as well. Cause right. he has that versatility. I mean against Michigan State, he had a really nice game and he was forced to play on the edge against yeah. Michigan State a ton right. at six five, four in a four plus, down look, right, Ryan? I mean, yeah. He had to play on the edge yeah. in a four down look, not even a Which three down look which is wild. Yeah. So he's got versatility to him. He's a physical football player and he grew up 30 minutes from Notre Dame's campus in Michigan city, Indiana. So it, it makes a lot of sense. Notre Dame has, has to close the deal on that one. Yep. Here's something from Cape Cod. So either of you heard that portal QBs are possibly avoiding Reese Notre Dame due to Reese. I can assure you right now mm-hmm. that there is not a single good portal quarterback that has avoided Notre Dame. And I'll just leave it at that. Not a one. So if anybody's saying that, it's some Notre Dame hate fan. It's either coming from some Notre Dame haters, coming from some Notre Dame fan who yeah. doesn't like Tommy for whatever reason and is starting some stuff. But I can assure you on very good authority, Ryan can as well from talking to other sources, not just Notre Dame ones, that that portal quarterbacks have been very engaged with Notre Dame. And uh, that's all I'm going to say. And we'll have clarity on that here in the next couple of weeks. But that's all I'm going to say. So any, anybody saying that to you, uh, Cape Cod, I would tell them uh, to, to keep their mouth shut because they're lying to you. Yep. And uh, I don't like talking to liars. So I would uh, hope that you would not well, either. Brian, can I add one comment real quick about Braden Fisk? Because I just saw Berkshire, uh, Berkshire Yank just asked what's the timeline. So Berkshire, I talked to him about a week ago, a little bit more than that at this point. He told me originally it was the beginning of January was something mm-hmm. because he's a, he's going to be a six-year senior, like Brian said, right? So he's not trying to rush a decision. He right. understands that the next calendar year is make it or break it for his future, yes. right? Like it matters. So I don't think he's going to rush the decision, but I do think that he has enough data right now where it's – formulating right now so i would expect beginning of january sometime 
And the other, like you said, he's he's looking at it different academically too. He doesn't have to worry yes. about getting his courses lined up and all that other kind of stuff. It's a completely different animal for him than it is mm-hmm. for others. We have a super chat down here from Mark One. Great, good show, guys. Merry Christmas. I think Indy has upgraded the team. I'm excited for our team. Mark, I'm with you. First of all, Merry Christmas to you and everyone else as well. Uh, but yes, I agree. Notre Dame is is this recruiting class made Notre Dame better. Mm-hmm. I think the only argument is the degree. But yeah. there's no question this this group made them better. Absolutely. On both sides of the ball. I think it's just a little better on offense because there was more of a need on offense. And it's just a little better class on offense, but it was also the need was greater. So it moves the needle even more to where now the offense is starting to catch up to the defense is, is what's mm-hmm. going on, which is where they need to be. Okay. Here's an interesting question, Ryan, from Spark5219. You don't have to answer this question, but can you put a total dollar amount guess on the amount of money our fantastic class turned down to Notre Dame? And so when we talk about offers, it's yep. it's over a four-year pe- period is basically how it works. Mm-hmm. I was trying to do this math off the top of my head, Ryan, and, and just quickly, I'd say at least at least $5 million, at least. I think it's way more than $5 That's what I'm saying, million. at least. I'm just yeah. like, yeah. I'm just – because I mean, I I, I kind of I didn't even get to the defense with, and I got I, four the whole. I think there's got. I mean, we're not going to put names out there, but I think there's one player on offense specifically that was probably offered at least four million dollars from various teams. So if I'm not really, oh, you, you and I are going to so? have to. No, you're going to have to have a conversation about that one. I don't know who that would be, as hmm. far as because the one offer that we got that that the biggest one that I remember was closer to the one that we reported about Peyton Bowen. Well, I'm saying in total though, when you take all yeah. the teams together. Like oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah. Not, so I just, one, I just meant like, like four the way I was looking at it. I'm sorry, yeah. Ryan. I get where you're yeah. coming from. The way yeah. I was looking at it is I was taking the biggest offer that each kid had and adding gotcha. it together. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Because yeah, one kid can't then. take three offers is the way I was looking yes. at it. Right. Yep. So I was I was looking at it from the standpoint of, but yes, mm-hmm. I know who you're talking about. That kid probably got over four million in total yes. different offers, but he couldn't, he yep. couldn't have been four million because it was it was individual schools. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 at least four or five. At least four or five. And 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 that's only the ones that we know of. And I and I mm-hmm. think it's more because I have. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to do the math in my head. It may be close to that. Just offensive players. Yep. So yeah, it was a lot. It's and that's just lot. the that's just the stuff we know. I, I'm sure there was other kids getting offers that we don't talk to and that haven't told us that information. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do some math because if we're talking about just like. All the teams that have offered yeah. to each player combined, it's a yeah. hefty amount. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It's absolutely crazy. All right, here we got a question up here from a Trucker Joe. Thank you very much, Trucker Joe. Texas being ranked multiple spots ahead of Notre Dame when Texas signed 14 blue chippers compared to Notre Dame's 20 shows how overrated the point system is. And I didn't know this blue chip ratio coming in the season. I think one time somebody brought it up. I didn't know what it was talking about. Basically four or five star players. But Mm-hmm. I believe, I believe this is accurate. I'm going to have to go out and crunch the numbers, but I think there's only three teams that have been over 80% each of the last two years, and it's mm-hmm. Alabama, Georgia, and Notre Dame. I believe. I could be wrong on that. There yeah. might be another team or two, but I believe that's the case. And that's the key, right? It's, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's a really good class. Yes, really good class. But no, you're right, Trucker Joe. Because again, it's it's that's what the recruiting rankings do. They pump up the the really top line guys get way too many points relative to like the a guy that ranks 30th should not be that much higher point value than the guy ranked 90th, mm-hmm. right? Like it just should. And the guy yeah. ranked first 
should not be that much higher than a guy ranked 40th when you're talking about a crapshoot, especially okay. since not every number one ranked player is the same every year. With all due respect to Arch Manning, who I believe is the number one player according to rivals, I believe. Let me just look this up real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this isn't even a shot at Arch. Let's just, he is ranked number one. Let's just say hypothetically that you and I agreed that Arch was number one. Okay. Okay. Let's hype. He's he's not Trevor Lawrence. It's like it's like the NFL draft. Just because you're picked number one doesn't mean that you're expected to be John Elway or Peyton Manning, who are also number ones. Right. It's just of the guys in the draft, you know, you're the best player plus the need that we have. Like, does anybody think that Trayvon Walker was drafted with them with them thinking that we're hoping he can do for us? Because who it was the Jaguars that drafted him, right? Yeah. Does anybody he, think the Jaguars drafted him thinking we hope he's going to do for our defense what what we hope Trevor Lawrence does for offense? No, uh-uh. they don't. And and he also hasn't been very good so far. Shocker. <laughs> uh, who knew? But but my point is, Ryan, is that you're going to get the that kid's going to get the same point value that Trevor Lawrence gave Clemson, mm-hmm. and he shouldn't. Yeah. And that's the problem with the ranking base system. And if you have one guy that's super overrated, it's going to blow everything up because your class is going to look way better because that guy's so overrated. So, yeah, no, I I think that's a great point by Trucker Joe. There's no doubt about it. 99 props of BK1. He has this is kind of a comment. I said Notre Dame could get better on the edge on the D line. Sure. People immediately think of the 2021 Georgia D and their D line, but their cornerbacks and secondary were suspect. Notre Dame's 22 plus 23 cornerback hall is fantastic. Overall, D uh, is made different, made up differently, but I think they are improving all over. And the way the D-line, LB, cornerback groups complement each other, uh, they could be unreal on defense in a couple of years. I think that's accurate, especially when you consider what you built that on top of. Right? And that's that's right. Now you got to keep doing it. Keep doing it. So, um, Ryan, if you got to run, go ahead. We're getting close to the end. So uh, we'll probably be another 10 minutes. So if you got to go, you got to go. All right, man. Appreciate you. All right. Next question is from Anthony Bell. And Anthony says, uh, has says, do you think recruiting momentum uh, will pick up over the next few years as more talent comes in and gets drafted on day one and two? It feels like the best selling point against pay for play. Also, high rank classes are beginning to stack 21 to 23. When will this roster finally be considered the highest tier of college football, uh, uh, college football? And then there's another question similar to that from um, M Glade 1989. That's I think similar to what Anthony's saying here. Is is I think they're close, and I think they're they're there in a lot of positions. Like there's no team that's great everywhere, including Alabama. There's no team that's great everywhere. Every team has holes. What Notre Dame's recruiting has done lately is they've they've balanced the roster out, and and they're doing a better job of when one group's not as good as another group, it's not the wide gap that it used to be, and the best player at one position is not significantly better than the next. So like, for example, in 2015, Notre Dame's top five players could be as, were as good as anybody's. That's what this is about 2012 team. There's a big gap in others. You look at a guy like Jalen Smith and say, that's a, that's the best linebacker in college football. But the reason other, they, they weren't the best linebacker group in college football is because other teams may have had three guys that none of them were nearly as good as Jalen Smith. But they were all pretty good football players where Notre Dame had Jalen Smith. And then what did you have after that? You know, I, I still feel like when I watched Jarrett Grace that year a couple times, I still wish they would have played him more. And I don't know if physically he could have done it. You know, Jarrett's been in here a couple times in, in our chat. I'd love to ask him all these days like if he would have been able to play those kind of snaps because he's a guy that I thought, if not for his 
bad injury could have been really good having him and Jalen Smith next to each other. But even in his limited snaps in 2015, I thought he was better than Joe Schmidt. It's just he didn't get the same amount of snaps because Joe Schmidt was never the same player after his leg injury. And so part of Notre Dame's issues back then were, were bad luck, you know, to, with some injuries to certain guys. But you just didn't have the depth at a position that was as good. Like Tavon Coney and, and Drew Tranquil, neither of them individually were in the same universe as Jalen Smith, and they would tell you that. Well, at least Drew would anyway. I don't know about Tavon. But that was such a way better linebacker group than the 2015 group because the you know Drew wasn't as good as Jalen at will, but he's still an NFL player. He's still a fourth-round pick where Tavon was way better than Joe Schmidt. And so it was a better group, even though it didn't have the great individual. And so I think that's what this group is doing. It's it's kind of stacking depth and in classes on top of each other. It's it's widening the margin for error at a lot of positions. And the other part of it too, uh, uh, you know, to kind of get to it as well is the quarterback recruiting is is so is better in this class. I mean, this is Kenny Minch is a very good football player, and then next year it's going to be the same thing. So uh, that's kind of how I look at the roster. Now back to the original the, or the first part of the question. I think I think there's a a lot to this. I think that you need to do it more than once. You know, I, I think having Kyle Hamilton drafted in the first round didn't pay off for you the way that you'd think it would, because the last time it happened was, was over a decade ago or about a decade ago with Harrison Smith. And there just wasn't a lot in between the difference between that and other teams is there's a perception of Bama, Georgia, Ohio state, just pumping kids out consistently. And I think that's going to be the key to your point. So I, I do think the draft momentum needs to to grow. Uh, I think Notre Dame winning more games is point number one. But yes, Notre Dame starting to produce more uh, perceived great college players that then lead to high draft picks is something that could help help them out quite a bit. There's no doubt. It's just going to take a few years to get there. This year hopefully helps. My hope is that Isaiah Foskey crushes it in the in the lead up to the draft and becomes a first round pick. You have him as a first round pick. You have Michael Mayer as a first round pick. You know, that helps. And then you look at some other guys, you know, maybe they don't have the depth that they might need, but you maybe get a couple more guys drafted. It'd certainly be helpful if maybe Jarrett Patterson has a good offseason. Hopefully he can get drafted somewhat high. Ryan would be the guy to kind of talk about that a little bit more. But, you know, then next year you go out and, you know, maybe Joe Walt's a top 10 pick. And, and you've got some other guys that have a chance to, you know, that can jump up and be high picks. That's what you hope it is because, as you said, it's about stacking it on top of each other, right, Anthony? And and it can't just be one or two draft classes or you have a great draft class one year and then the next year is like nobody and then the next year's okay and then the next year's big again. It's that consistency that's going to be key. So very very good question. Michael, my guy, been, been, thank you for this, Michael. He says a question for Brian and Ryan. Based on what positions recruits Notre Dame missed out on, what positions recruits should be without a doubt a Notre Dame target on the 2024 class that needs to be addressed to move the needle? So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, Michael, because we will have a show about this. But uh, And I'm not going to get into specifics, but I'll just quickly kind of discuss the classes that I think the, the – un- I think next year on offense – you need another really good receiver class. And I don't think numbers is as important as maybe getting some of the more high-end guys, like the really needle movers to complement this group. I think that's very important. And then the rest is just adding impact, you know, just get another impact back. You've already got an impact quarterback. You, you know, your offensive line has one kid in it. You know, it's not going to be a very deep class. So get some impact guys there. Maybe, you know, maybe raise the top level, which is a little bit of the knock on the 2023 group. You know, you're not going to have the numbers and the depth because you're probably going to sign three, but, you know, hopefully it's like 
higher level. Gearby Lambert's a really toolsy kid. You know, get a kid like him in there. And then defensively, next year you're definitely going to need some edge players. And, and that's going to be the, the thing about that is you're going to need edge players to be to be impactful. And so you were able to get away with not having it this year. You can't do it two years in a row. Uh, you need some more elite top-level talent. I don't care where it's ranked, but just top-level talent like a Justin Scott. Linebacker, just keep doing what you're doing. Corner, just keep doing what you're doing. And then safety. Safety is going to be a big class. You're going to need another big class. But most of it, Michael, at this point in time, is just keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what, you, keep doing what you're doing at running back. Keep doing what you're doing at tight end. You know, keep doing what you're doing with Harry Heeson on offensive line. Keep doing what you're doing at linebacker. Keep doing what you're doing at corner. The rest, the, the safety, D-line, receiver are the positions where you need to see a continued upgrade. I would have said quarterback, but they've already got C.J. Carr. And so that would have been a big one. Number one, I mean, need, if not for the presence of C.J. Carr, who's um, really, really, really good. Milton fan 15 with a super chat. Thank you very much. Without NIL is Notre Dame, the number three recruiting class. Maybe. You know, I don't, I don't really want to say yes, for sure. Cause I, I can't quantify that. I, I don't think every kid that picks a school, it did it for NIL. I, I don't think Keon Keeley's driving force, as I've said, his driving force was NIL. Was NIL a factor? Yeah. But some of these kids that were NF, NIL was the only thing they would have still been getting paid. They just would have been getting paid the way it used to get paid. And that's, um, you know, that's kind of the deal. So I, uh, I, I, I think they would have certainly been ranked higher, but I uh, like if NIL isn't a thing, who, who's to say Peyton Bowen still doesn't flip somewhere. I mean, with how he handled himself, like how does he say he doesn't still flip somewhere? You know, I think Keon Keeley still would have been very attracted to Alabama because his vision was, I want to be a high draft pick. I want to be a great football player. I want to be the number one pick in the draft. I'm saying the hypothetical. He never told me he wanted to be number one pick. But I know that he wants to be an NFL player. I know he wants to be developed to be a very high pick and a great NFL player. That's what he believes is the most important thing for him, which I understand. I mean, you pick a college. If you're not an athlete, you pick a college that you think best develops you at what your chosen profession is. Well, if your chosen profession is football – there's nothing wrong with a kid saying, yeah, I know I could get a great education in Notre Dame, but over here, you know, playing at for Lincoln Riley at USC, for example, I don't think USC stacks up against Notre Dame academically when you look at what football players are doing. But if you're a quarterback, your, your major is football. History would tell us that playing for Lincoln Riley gives you a much better chance of being a, a high draft pick than playing at Notre Dame. I mean, why is it wrong for a kid to factor that into his decision? I don't think that's wrong. I think it's one of those things you have to look at. And it, you know, it's like this. It's it's and look, Notre Dame benefits from this too. Don't kid yourselves. You can think that the only reason kids come to Notre Dame is because of academics. That's not true. Offensive linemen pick Notre Dame because they know Harry Heaston is going to turn them into a first-round draft pick, or they believe that to be the case. Kids are coming to play tight end at Notre Dame not just because of the academics. Sometimes that's true. But there's also kids coming to Notre Dame to play tight end because they want to be the next Michael Mayer or the next Tyler Eifert, meaning first-round draft pick. And, and it's why Alabama could load up on running backs. It's why Georgia would be like, how do they have four or five-star running backs? Like, do they? Because these kids know, hey, I may not play as a freshman, but when my time comes, I'm going to go be a first-round draft pick, right? If you're a wide receiver at Ohio State, you're, you you may pass up playing at, right now being a 1,000 re- receivers a freshman at you know a school over here, or you go to Ohio State, maybe you sit a year or two, and but when your time comes and you ball out, you're going to be a first-round draft pick, right? And so I think kids can look at that, and it's not a, 
kid being short-sighted or narrow-minded. And I think that's why Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman has said this, we got to show kids three things. That they can get a great education, which has always been true, that they can compete for a championship, and then they we can turn them in the NFL. The fact that he understands that is so important because why do we hold athletes to a higher, a different standard than we hold normal students go to college from the standpoint of why they pick a school? If you want to be a business, if you want to get into business, you'd be foolish not to go to a place like Notre Dame or Wharton or things like that. Why? Because if you can get in there, it's the best of the best at developing you for your future endeavors. If you are someone who wants to be a defensive lineman and you're, you are a football player, football is your number one priority. Nothing else really stacks up to it. Why would you not look at Alabama and the success they've had turning guys into first round draft picks? I get that. I just think that some of these kids need to be more bold, in my opinion. And, and that would have been the only thing I would have said to Keon is, yeah, that's true. I totally get where you're coming from on that. However, your talent is your talent. And, and you could grow in so many different ways over here as well and still become a first-round draft pick. But I can't fault the kid for looking at it and saying, I want to be a great football player. That place has a long history of developing great football players. I can't fault the kid for that. And so it's not a given that Bama – doesn't do what they do or Georgia doesn't do what they do or, you know, Tennessee doesn't do what they do if NIL is not a thing. I can't tell you that. And I don't know if it would have mattered with Keon. Maybe it matters with Peyton. I, I don't know. I, I don't think anybody can should even try to get into that kid's head at this point in time. With some of the schools, Oregon's not where they are. So so maybe it moves up to five based on the, the, the shoddy rankings. Now, in my view, maybe it could be top five. But, like, they didn't miss out on Jason Moore because of NIL. They lost out on Jason Moore because Ohio State out-recruited him. Simple as that. I mean, they didn't buy Jason Moore. He They got outplayed. They got out-recruited for him. If you put Jason Moore in this class and you, you know, who knows where it could be ranked. So that's my, that's kind of my two cents on that one. I just, I just don't think, I, I can't say for sure. Plus again, the rankings are faulty in my opinion. And um yeah, it's interesting. Here's an interesting comment, too. I, sometimes I wonder why Keon ever committed Notre Dame. I have to think he didn't think he was an Alabama type of player when he committed. Oh, yeah. Keon committed Notre Dame because Keon is a is a Notre Dame kid. I will look, I will take this to my grave. There are very few defensive linemen that I've ever met that in so many ways fit at Notre Dame the way Keon did in so many different ways. It's just over time, for whatever influences you want to discuss, Keon started putting certain priorities ahead of others. And I'm not saying this is a criticism. This is a reality. He started putting certain priorities over others. And I think that he had been committed to Notre Dame so long that his and, – and when he committed, he was not a highly ranked player. He Nobody had him in the top 100. He was just this really fun and and talented player that, that – had this chance to go get a great education and play football. And I'm sure he thought about the NFL, but when he kind of blew up as a player, I think the reality of, Hey, I can really do this for a living. This is just me reading it. I've not been told this isn't until it's just my read of it that he said, you know, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to be a great football player. And the reality is there's this school that's much closer to me than South Bend, Indiana, that, has a much better track record of developing kids like me at this thing that I want to be great at. And I think that's ultimately what he, why he decided. Then that's my read. That's my opinion. That's not based on what I've been told. Keon never told me that, you know, that other kind of stuff. I just think that became the priority, but that's because things evolved over time. If you would have asked me 
you know, a year ago, two years ago, when I started this business is your business is going to, you're going to be doing videos every day. I'm doing videos every day. There's no way you're going to do it. Right. You're, you're out of your mind. I'm not doing that. Well, things change. Things evolve. You, you learn different things. You become comfortable with different things. You say, you know what? I actually do think this would be a great idea. People change their mind. And it's not always because of nefarious things. Sometimes it's just my priorities changed. And because my priority changed, I decided to get out of coaching because my priorities changed. That's a fact. I loved coaching, loved coaching, but my priorities as a man, as a husband changed and I decided I need to do something different. It doesn't mean that I didn't love, doesn't mean I look back and say, well, why'd you even get into coaching in the first place? Because I loved it. It's what I always wanted to do, right? Well, I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a really little kid. Then after that, I was wanted to be a coach. Uh, but it was just those things where I had to, I had to think about what did I really want out of life? was I happy? And, and some other ways, like I loved the game. I loved coaching. I loved the, the Saturdays. I loved, you know, the, the, the mental chess match that is coaching and play calling. I hated being on the road all the time. I hated being on the road all the time and away from my wife. I hate what it was doing to our marriage. Uh, I did not want to be one of those statistics in coaching where, you know, yeah, okay. I was married for a while, but you know, I, I went places and, you know, she didn't want to be there and, you know, so I moved on. No, there was nothing more important to me than my wife. And I was not a good husband when I was coaching. So fact others can, other coaches can be good husbands. I couldn't. And I didn't want to be one of those statistics. So I made the decision like, this isn't the route I want to go down. Does that mean that I didn't love coaching in the first place? No, it means my priorities changed. And I think sometimes with these kids, that's that, that happens. And it's not always because they don't care about academics. They don't, they, they took a bag that's not always true. And I think it's unfair for us to assume that everything that happens is because a kid took a bag or because a kid doesn't care about something that we think he should care about or something he did care about. And sometimes a kid doesn't care about that anymore, but it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. And so that's why I've always defended Keon is because I don't agree with his decision. If I was his advisor, I would have advised him to do something different. Uh, even if it wasn't Notre Dame, there's other places I would have had him go other than Alabama. Uh, I think Notre Dame, he would have thrived at Notre Dame. So if I was his counselor or his, the person he leaned on and he listened to me, you know, I would not, I would not have pushed for Bama, but what I know of the reasons why he went to Bama, I don't think are what people are saying they are. And his circumstances different than Peyton's or Dylan Edwards. And that's why my, how I speak about Keon is so much different than how I speak about other kids. And, and um, yeah, so that's that. So that's, it is what it is. All right. A couple more here. World famous Scotty Nitro tight end Gilbert from Georgia has entered the portal. Does Notre Dame look at him or will he be a bag chaser? I don't know if he's going to be a bag chaser or not. There's no way that kid's a fit at Notre Dame. And that's all I'm going to say. No way, no way. Robert McReynolds, Brian, does he stand need to focus on this? What does he stand need to focus on this spring to improve the overall O-line play? Is there a fundamentals issue that he can address or is it something else? You know, Robert, I think it's just building on what you've done. I think that Coach Heastan really made a great improvement with the line in year one. Now it's about just even furthering establishing who you are. Uh, you know, there were things they did fundamentally that that sometimes we're not always consistent they would get back to some bad habits the further along you get away from those you know i think the better things can be uh so so you know you you do this 
thing that Coach Eastan wants 75% of the time, eventually you get up to 80, eventually you get up to you know, even higher. There's all types of different things that kind of go into it that make you say, like, look, I I don't think they're like where I think it's like it's doing it repetitively and you don't go back on it to where this is just how you play. And so I think it's a consistency thing and that takes time to develop. And we saw him pretty quickly turn this into a pretty darn good offensive line. But some of the things that happened late in the year weren't about the offensive line. They were about the other parts of the offense. And that's the key. That's the key for this one. So um, that's where they got to get better. Let's get to the last couple, and then I got to get out of here. Sean Jeter says, do you still continue to recruit Eli Bowen if you're Notre Dame? I do not. I would not. We've been asked this before. I, I don't want to keep talking about it, but here's the deal. There's nothing that Eli Bowen could tell me, nothing that his family could tell me that would make me think that we're not going to have the same thing happen again. It's just that. It's just that. So um, I just and, – and I don't mean that disrespectfully. Uh, from everything I've been told, Eli's a really good kid. And and I've got no reason to believe that. But the reality is, is I just can't. I can't. I can't. I can't get burned again on that one. Just can't. So I would move on. Uh, M. Glade, 1989. Oh, we actually answered that one already. So we're, we're going to get back up here. We'll, we'll finish with Mark's super chat down here. Actually, we have another super chat uh, down here that we'll get to as well. Uh, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, so Mark one was super chat. Thank you, Mark five bucks towards Ryan's raise. What are your thoughts on hiring a quarterbacks coach? Like other teams do to help the OC and work only with the quarterbacks. I'm okay with where they are now, because the reality is if you're going to hire a quarterbacks coach, that means you have to fire someone on your current staff because you can only have 10 assistants. So my question would be, who would you get rid of? And where would you have Tom Reese coach? Cause the offensive staff already has more than the defensive staff. So how would you change it? I don't think you can. I, I think I think there may be somebody that could could I, where I would make an impact is I would hire an analyst or a GA, which they've kind of done, but it's hard to hire a GA that has experience coaching quarterbacks. But I would hire an analyst that can maybe help take some of the load off of Coach Reese from a quarterback standpoint. But you know, look, I, we can spend every single show talking about Tom Reese coaching the quarterbacks, and I I get it. He's got to do a better job. I think part of this is just to coach Reese continue to evolve as a coach. He's 30, right? I mean, he's going to get better. He's going to improve. He's going to learn from his mistakes and get better. Let's see how it develops. And he he can't keep doing what he's doing because like what he's doing is not good enough. And I would hope that he would tell us that too. But I still, I still just feel like there's potential to get there. And, and I'm willing to give him another, another season to go out and prove it. And if he doesn't, then at the point you kind of say, oh, this just is what he is. But hopefully, hopefully he, promotes he gets better uh chen boat says with a super chat thank you very much i'm loving the the ib hoodie there in the, in the uh the shirt the show right there brian you're a machine thanks to the I, all ib staff keep up the good work merry christmas go irish i appreciate that very much and uh i'm a machine that's about to break down that's why we're going to wrap this show up here very soon uh very very soon but i appreciate that um and then a couple other things uh i've seen some people ask about um not getting confirmation on orders. If you have not got a confirmation order, shoot me an email at brian at irishbreakdown.com. Uh, we had automatic mail that went out. I don't know what happened to that. I'm going to have to get with my tech team to find out why those are not automatically triggering because a lot of people are reaching out saying they're not getting that. So we'll fix that. But if you email me, I can go into the the, the order form, find out if your order went through and then what the, I can get you the tracking number and send it to you. 
and then we'll work on trying to fix why those uh, automatic emails are not being sent out again. So I do apologize for that. We'll get that fixed. But if you have a question about when your your merch store orders are going to be arrived, just shoot me an email and I'll let you know and we'll get that we'll get that figured out as soon as possible. So and I appreciate appreciate your orders. Makes AK with the message, folks. Please join the message board. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Leave a five star review. Visit the IB store for great Christmas gifts. And as always, go Irish. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Six o'clock tonight, 36 minutes. It's going to be the IB Nation Sports Talk Show. You're going to want to definitely check that out. And thank you all for all your support uh, throughout this last couple of days. I'm going to kind of check out here for a little bit and, uh, and, and get some rest, get some work done. Make sure you're locked into irishbreakdown.com uh, to get all of our latest content. Have a great rest of your day, folks. And thanks for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>